does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. Previously on the Wake Up Call with KB and Andy. 6.30 a.m., all the pregame coverage, uh, Colts and Patriots. Too bad we don't have JMV doing a show at 5.30, Mark. <laughs> He'd do it. That's the first He'd do thing. it at if asked. He'll be, he'll be awake, won't he? Oh. Did he say he only slept two hours, I think, yesterday? I think he said he only slept a couple hours. I'm pretty sure so. JMV just works day in day. I don't know if he has a day off. Does he ever have a day off? I came in on a Saturday. He's doing B105 <laughs> stuff. I'm like, good Lord, man. That man works. 6.30 a.m., all the pregame coverage, uh, Colts and Patriots, right here on the fan. Big college football weekend as well. We'll have Michigan-Penn State at noon on Saturday. Ole miss Georgia coming your way at 6:30. If there were two, if there are two college football games to have on the air, those would be the ones uh, with Penn State and Michigan. We'll see what happens with Jim Harbaugh if he is suspended today, and exactly how Michigan may fight that. And then, of course, Georgia, Ole Miss, the big one there uh, in the SEC. Uh, well, we need to talk Pacers, Colts, high school. A lot to cover here in the next few minutes. Greg Rakestraw joins us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Rake, good morning, sir. How are you? Uh, good morning, my friend. I would throw in one more game that if you could put on the fan airwaves tomorrow, you should work in. Okay. That would be the Monon yes, Bell sir. Classic, Wabash and DePaul. You have it, right? 129th edition. I am fortunate enough that that is my game tomorrow, 1 o'clock on the ISC Sports Network. Do we have a line for that game, by the way? I don't think as the play-by-play guy I'm allowed to uh, get yeah, I think I for that play game. Well, but, that's but poor form, I'd say. I guarantee <laughs> you there is a line and all kind of corporate boardroom side wagers that have been taking place all week long for that game, Andy. Give me uh, give me 30 seconds to a minute. Give me a preview on that game. KB mentioned right, it four DePaul or five comes, times. DePaul comes in at 9-0. and Whomever wins this game wins the league. Wabash is 7-2. and One of those losses is Butler, so that is kind of stricken as a non-division three game from the record. Mm. Wabash does have one conference loss, but if they win, they would hold the tiebreaker. They would go to the postseason for the first time since 2019. Wow. Two years ago, DePaul led 21 nothing at Wabash. Little Giants have a furious comeback and win 42-35. Last year, it snowed, and there was never a comeback. DePaul won 49-14. These are two really good football teams, and North Central grad Liam Thompson for Wabash has a chance to become Wabash's all-time leading passer and the conference's all-time leader in passing yards during tomorrow's game. Okay, so I, I went because we've we've mentioned this game in our morning checkdowns and some other things this week, Rake, and you'll love this. So I just typed it in, you know, kind of the the history of the rivalry and everything else. Okay, I'm trying to I'm trying to learn as much as I can, and so I guess. A bunch of students tried to steal the bell from DePaul back in 2017. Is that right? And there's like just clear video of them trying to do this. Is that right? Oh, in, two, in 2017, 1974, <laughs> 1946, again in 2029. Oh, that's great. Um, 2042? Right. Here, here is the best way I can describe it. Again, since, since I speak Louisville like Andy does, this is, this is Trinity St. X. Mm-hmm. Right? There, there is not a high school rivalry in Indianapolis really? that matches that one in Louisville. Mm-hmm. But as Andy well knows, that game is the end-all, be-all game of the high school football season 
And for even though more recently Trinity's kind of dominated the rivalry and it has much more had the better of, of the postseason results, your season comes down to, hey, did you beat those guys or sure, not? Sure. Hey, you want a state title? I don't care. Did you beat them? That's Wabash and DePaul. Hey, we made the playoffs. That's great. Did you beat them? That's what that game is all about, and that is bragging rights for the next 363 days. That's I saw that glorious picture of the Little Giant Stadium you had on Twitter yesterday. How how many games have you called now for the for the Monon Bell? So so this is the third year that we have had the rights on, on ISC, mm-hmm. and you are correct. Um, the new Little Giant Stadium, yes. which debuted kind of after the pandemic in 2021, is amazing for the Division Three level. Uh, they bring in extra seats in both end zones. They have sold 8,100 tickets. The estimation is wow. there'll be over 10,000 people that will be in Crawfordsville uh, for this game tomorrow. Uh, the tailgate lots uh, are epic. I've been invited to three of them pregame. I, maybe I might make a couple of appearances uh, before the game starts tomorrow. But it, this is, simply put, this is one of these sports bucket list items. If you have never gone, you need to go at least one time because, again, this is this is amongst the epic of all college football rivalries, and especially at the small college level, maybe only Williams and Amherst, which is also yeah. Division Three up in the Northeast, is the only one that, that, that kind of resembles this one in terms of small college football. So you'll be on the call of that one. Uh, Greg Rakestraw with us here, Pay Less Liquors Hotline. I, I want to get to Pacers. I want to get to the Colts as well uh, because that's, you know, it's a big one, obviously, on Sunday, and the Pacers are playing well at 6-3 and three right now in the early season. Uh, let's go to some high school stuff. Regionals tonight, uh, I, I mean, obviously, all these games stand out, but are there two or three that stand out even more maybe in your mind than any others? Well, the game that I've got I'm fired up about is Ben Davis and Cathedral. Yep. I've seen these two teams win the last two weeks. Uh, this is a Cathedral team that is solid, you know, kind of flew under the radar this year, had a couple of early losses to Brownsburg and then Chittard. They kind of took them off the radar. Was very impressed by what I saw from them last week in beating Lawrence North. A, because Lawrence North is pretty solid. But B, you know, the kind of the known quantity for Cathedral coming in was their quarterback in Danny O'Neill. Can play at the University of Colorado next year all-time leading passer in school history, three-year starter. Last week, he didn't have to be the star. It was their run game and their defense, and the scheme that they run is a 3-5-3. So it's, it's something that not, hardly anybody else runs, and it just befuddled Montez Jones and Lawrence North offensively. I think Thomas Gotkowski of Ben Davis maybe is a little better equipped to handle that. I don't know if Cathedral will get the yards after contact in the running game against Ben Davis defensively. They did against Lawrence North. But Cathedral still has their star player. And Danny O'Neill being a star gives them a chance to win that football game tonight. So that's really good. And again, if Cathedral can run the table and win a championship playing up a level, A, that's impressive. And again, they're, they're not the favorite tonight, maybe going forward, but their their path would be treacherous because it would be Ben Davis, Center Grove, and then likely one of Hamilton Southeastern or Westfield. It's possible. Clearly, Ben Davis is, has a chance to be a state champ. Again, Center Grove likely awaits the winner of this game next week. But that game has my attention. HSE Westfield, northern half of the mm-hmm. bracket, should be tremendous. Decatur Central, Whiteland is a conference rematch. And, and Whiteland's story to get to this point is is you know not necessarily during the, their two postseason wins 
but they were the 5A runners-up last year, and they had like a 30-man senior class, and those kids all wow. played. So this is almost an entirely new team at Whiteland, and here they are potentially a game away from the semi-state round and potentially having a path to make it back to the state championship game, which in the law of unintended consequences – would actually bump them up to 6A the next couple of years, and we can worry more about that next week. So a lot of great storylines, as you as you re- remarked. There's all of 24 games around the state this week. One of them is tomorrow between Gibson Southern and Tri-West in 3A. But there are going to be far more great games than not-so-great games now that we have reached the regional round. ISC's Greg Regstra joining us on the Payless Liquors Hotline on the wake-up call with KB and Andy. Greg, it's Colts-Patriots week. That used to mean something in this town. It seems like that rivalry has certainly lost its luster with the departure of Tom Brady and whatnot. Uh, What are your overall thoughts heading into this game? How big of a game is it for the Colts? And what do you make of the Patriots so far this year? Colts-Patriots may not be what it once was, but because, you know, the evil empire dictator is still the coach over there, um, you you still tremble in fear uh, because of whom you were playing. And I realize the Patriots stink, and they're 2-7. and It's Bill Belichick. And I want you to think back 53 weeks ago what the Colts did against the Patriots defensively. And the answer is not much. I mean, that was the second Sam Ellinger start. That was his last start. That was, I guess he started the the finale of the season, but um, that was the end of Frank Reich as the head coach of the Colts, and that was against a very average and mediocre Patriots team. Now, it's a little bit different with having a more experienced quarterback like Gardner Minshew starting, but Colts-Patriots, is is it what it was? Of course not. But because it's Bill Belichick there, this is still a Sunday morning that is very concerning to Colts fans Oh, just because of how the last 22 years have unfolded when playing his teams. Looking at and Greg Rakestraw with us here on the fan. You know, Greg, when you look at, I've been operation. Get to five and five if you're uh, if you're yep. the Colts, and you know, you get a week off. Get guys like maybe Josh Downs, Juju Brents. Get them healthy. Get that offensive line. I know Brain Smith's coming back. Maybe get some tight ends healthy. Uh, and Tampa Bay will be coming off a Niners game, and you know, you'll be favored. I know you don't win at Lucas Oil, but there will be a chance to get back to six and five above 500 and then we can start to have those conversations but it starts on Sunday in winning that game Uh, I I don't know how do you think they go about winning this game with the fact that the Patriots want to stop the run and you know that Carolina game boy I know Kenny Moore was great the other thing I take away from it is they really put the offense in neutral and they did everything to say okay Minshew you're not going to turn the ball over here we're not going to lose the game by us turning the ball over we're going to let Carolina turn the ball over what kind of offense should we even expect on sunday from the colts I think you, you may see a lot of the same and let's face it let's go back to the only colts went over the patriots in some time was two years ago and unfortunately things kind of unraveled after that game but think about the way that we colts fans felt after the saturday night win against the new england patriots mid-december 2021 The Colts won that game with 41 yards passing Mm -hmm. and Jonathan Taylor (laughs) waving bye-bye to the Patriots' defense as he runs to the north end zone of Lucas Oil Stadium for a touchdown. So the Colts have shown they can basically say, student body right, and beat the New England Patriots and beat a Mac Jones offense. So I think your observation is a pretty good one. Uh, I think the Colts' offense will be conservative. I think the Colts' offense will be basic. I think they rightly feel... If they don't turn the ball over, 
they got a good chance of beating the New England Patriots. So uh, expect to see another heavy dose of JT and Zach Moss again come Sunday morning. Are you just surprised how how generic and uh, just how little talent the Patriots have? That's just surprising, just how little talent they have, Greg. I mean, the teams it we've is, seen. Is, again, having covered them for so long and having seen so many big games between those two franchises, and obviously the the peak of the rivalry was 2003 through 2009. Right. That was the seven years in which the Colts won at least 12 games all those years. And it, I'm not sure there's – you know, Niners Cowboys would be immediately what I would think of that would equal that over the years in terms of two teams around the same division, but you felt the other was your rival because you had to get through them into the Super Bowl. That's what made Colts Patriots special. We've had Colts Patriots games from 2010 on, but they've not had the same meaning just because we haven't seen each other on, on a regular basis. And I say that third consecutive year that these two teams have played. But yes, given the unparalleled level of success that franchise had for 20 years, and obviously the, the, the common denominator is Tom Brady and Bill Belichick for 19 of those years, it is stunning. Again, it's expected. It had to happen sometime. Right. But at some point in time, the talent had to fall off the table, and it seemingly finally has in New England. ISC's Greg Gregstraw joining us on the Payless Liquors Hotline for a few more minutes. Greg, I'm assuming you heard Shaq Leonard's comments about his reduced role. Uh, he's not too happy about it. He's you know Even with Zaire Franklin seemingly going to be out again, uh, he's not expected to see much extra playing time. Your thoughts on Shaq Leonard starting to vent his frustrations? I understand that, and I respect that. Um, but at the same time, I, I, I think it's—I I think it's just the Colts kind of acknowledging where Shaq is at this point. You know, maybe he's not the same player after you know playing hurt and being you know reduced uh, as to how effective he could be in 2021, where he was really a big play guy that wasn't an every down tackling machine type of guy. And then barely seeing the field in 22, yes, he's back and healthy. And if you notice, his tackles increased last week without Zaire Franklin on the field, even if he wasn't making those same kind of impact plays and getting the same number of reps. What I think is it's an acknowledgement from Gus Bradley and his staff that maybe the expectation isn't as great for Shaq as it was from, say, 2018 through 2021. So I appreciate him being honest. I respect how he feels. I understand where the where the Colts' defensive strategy is coming from, too. Greg Regstraw with us. Uh, last one, I just want to mention the Pacers. You know, they're down 10 with uh, seven minutes to go or so, and I'm thinking, okay, you know, the, the, the championship medal, if you will, and Giannis scoring over 50 points finally is going to catch up in the Pacers. While Valiant, you know, in the end, we're going to give up an 18-point lead in the first half, and we're going to lose. And then back-to-back games, they have closed. Uh, the game back-to-back games Benedict Matherin has been playing some of his best basketball as an NBA player six and three uh, five wins at GameBridge what do you make of an early season here what the Pacers have done and what did you make of last night the win over the Bucks? well the great thing is is that the Pacers are kind of the one team locally that's not on my beat and so I get to truly enjoy them as a fan and I love the fact they keep giving me reasons to watch them as a fan. Uh, I thought last night's win was huge. just because. And, and again, obviously Damian Lillard wasn't playing. 
still Giannis, man. We're, we're talking about one of the two or three best players in the league. And, yes, he went off. But I also think that kind of shows the Pacers' formula can work, you know, because the other true quality team they played so far this year, um, that beat down to Boston should have counted as two losses for the Pacers. That's how bad it was. And so beating a really good team, but also, frankly, being able to outscore one of the best players in the league, I thought is a big deal. Um, having back-to-back good performances, because you've kind of seen this up and down and back and forth from the Pacers so far this year. The fact, and yes, it was at home, but the fact that on back-to-back nights, the offense was clicking, and they beat the Jazz, who aren't very good, I get that. But then the next night, come back and beat the Bucks. I thought that was massive. So I thought last night, and this is not exactly a, 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 you know, a, a hard statement to break down, I thought that was their best win of the year. Yeah. Uh, but they're a fun team. Way for multiple reasons. They're a fun team. I mean, they're a fun team. Yep. They're going to get up and down. If I made you pick an over under on how many games the Pacers don't score 100 points this season, what would it be? Would it be like Two. a half or one and a half? Two. What would it be? Yeah. Two? Which is crazy. It used to be the over. <laughs> it's amazing how Rick Carlisle has changed. We all change over 20 years, right? Clearly, his hairline has, as all of us have. Um, but used to be. I think I think the Pacers one year under Rick Carlin may have given up 100 points five times in 82 <laughs> games, and now we're sitting the over under on Pacers scoring 100 like it'd be 80 and a half that they're going to clear 100. Yeah. Just the nature of the NBA and 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 good on a coach for realizing all right I have to change I have to adapt with the rest of the league and given the overall intelligence of Rick Carlisle and now 900-plus career wins, that's not exactly a surprise. Last one for me, Greg, and then we'll get you out of here. Uh, obviously, Colts, Patriots in Frankfurt, Germany this weekend. What is the furthest you've traveled to broadcast Ooh. one game? Ooh, I like uh, So that. I am lucky. I have been to both Alaska and Hawaii with the IUPUI basketball team. <laughs> so I, I checked both of those bucket lists off. We were part of the Rainbow Classic in 2003, so 20 years ago. So I flew out on Christmas Day and flew back on New Year's Eve. Wow. Um, And then in 2007, we played in the last Top of the World Classic at Alaska Fairbanks. And for those that don't know, there are the two Alaska colleges that field athletic teams. There's Alaska Anchorage, which is kind of the more well-known of the two schools and had the most success. That was the side of the Great Alaska Shootout for many years. And and that tournament now is kind of finally going away. Now that everybody seemingly has a Thanksgiving week tournament, which is tougher for that one to keep up. But but all of the great teams would go play in Anchorage at some point in time. We played in Fairbanks and I'm not and, and by the time we got there in November, A, North Pole, Alaska is south of Fairbanks, to give you an idea as to how far north it is. We had about six hours of daylight each day. Mm-hmm. The, the team gear that year included parkas. And when we got there, um, we said, well, we got some good news and some bad news for us. I said, all right, what's the good news? Good news is it's going to be above zero the entire time. They get <laughs> much above zero, but it was like single digits the entire time. They're like, oh, that's great. They're like, what's the bad news? Well, the bad news is, is that you're not going to be able to see the northern lights because it's going to be cloudy the entire time. We're like, all right, if, if, if we were able to see the northern lights, if it was going to be you know, sunny, what would the temperatures be? They're like, oh, about 30 or 40 below. And collectively, we all said, blank the northern lights. So we were happy that <laughs> right. it was above zero while we were there. But oh, that's the, fantastic. I, I have not done the international travel for a broadcast, 
but I've at least gotten to the two non-continental states, and, and I am forever grateful for IUPUI for giving me those opportunities. I'm sure radio and TV, it's uh, to, to broadcast much different than it was 20 years ago, the equipment you need uh, and don't need. Greg, always appreciate the time on a football Friday. Uh, we'll be listening and watching. I know a busy weekend for you. We'll try to keep up with it. We'll talk with you next week. Thank you. You got it, fellas. Thank you. All right, Greg Rakestraw hanging out with us on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Yep. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Busy weekend here on The Fan. You've heard the promos, Colts and Patriots there in Germany. 6.30 a.m. pregame coverage. Well, pregame, game, postgame. We have it all. Busy, busy Sunday right here on The Fan. And then also Michigan, Penn State, Ole Miss, Georgia. All that coverage beginning at noon on Saturday. Uh, Those are the two biggies. I believe what college game days at Ole Miss, Georgia, if I'm not mistaken. So that's going to be a fun scene uh, as well. Speaking of fun scenes, a couple good nights. It's a game bridge, 126-124. Winners last night were the Pacers over the Bucks. And to talk about that and much more, Alex Golden joins us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline, talking some Pacers with him. Alex, good morning, sir. How are you? Hey, I'm doing great, guys. How are you doing? Uh, we are doing fantastic. I guess fill in the blank. It doesn't have to be just a one-word answer, but last night was what for the Pacers? Fill in the blank. Last night was what? It was a stepping stone in the right direction for this team to show people that they can legitimately be a playoff team and compete with the best of the best in the NBA. Did you think seven minutes to go they were down 10 that they were going to win the game? You know what? It was weird (laughs) because it felt like this was probably going to be one that they might be able to you know, chip away at that 10-point lead and make it semi-close, but I thought it might be too little too late. The way they were able to kind of just – handle things and the way Giannis really slowed down the final three to four minutes, it, it really did feel like the perfect storm and the Pacers were able to weather it. So honestly, it, it, it was such a great energy in the building last night. It just it had a weird feel to it. I felt all day long like, I think we're actually going to pull this one out tonight for some reason, but I never imagined that Giannis Antetokounmpo would score 54 points on us on 19-25 to 25 shooting, and the Pacers would walk away with a two-point victory. That was just incredible to see. Plus he, made, plus, he made 16 of 18 free throws. I told Mark, yeah. Mark's in for KB today, I told Mark, you know, his best-case scenario, if you went to GameBridge or if you watched on Bally's last night, you got to see Giannis be special, and you got to see your team win. That's always fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, I mean, it felt like the game took forever, but you got to realize when a guy's shooting 18 free throws and he takes 10 seconds, 10 seconds. Mm-hmm. free throw, it's, it's <laughs> insane. I mean, I was literally counting every time just to see if he actually <laughs> got it off in the 10 seconds. But it's, it releases right when you hit 10, so it's pretty interesting that he's got that time down perfectly. Setting the pace is Alex Golden joining us on the Payless Slickers Hotline. That did feel like a game last, last night that in years past the Pacers would have – found a way to lose that game. But I said mm-hmm. on Twitter last night that that was a signature win for this team going in the right direction, a big win against a team not only in your division in the Eastern Conference, but in the NBA overall. That was a huge win. Uh, I just want to get your thoughts on that as well as Bendik Matherin. Is he starting to take big strides uh, now in these last couple of games? Yeah, I think the reason why you have to look at this as such a big win, too, is because there was no other game on TV at this time last night. So it was on NBA T for people that were watching uh, nationally. Now, locally, obviously, that wasn't broadcast because it's blacked out. But you still have to realize, like, 
this is a great opportunity for the Pacers to kind of showcase who they are. And this was the third game in four nights. You know, they've had a tough stretch here. I mean, obviously all the games have been at home, but, you know, five games in seven days is a lot of basketball. So the fact that they were able to go four and five in this homestand here was just incredible to me. And then you talk about it. Ben Mather in the last two games, I think after the Jazz game, Rick Carlisle said that was Ben Matherin's best game of his career that he's seen. Well, then he goes back and, and, and even has a better game than that against the Bucks, And he had some huge stops defensively down the end. And I think that is what you're wanting to see. You're wanting to see Benedict Matherin kind of separate himself from the rest of the Pacers roster behind Tyrese Halliburton as that number two guy. And it's a super small sample size, and it's a team sport, and I totally get all that. But seeing Ben kind of elevate his game to a different level is what made this feel even more significant because he had key moments in that game that really kind of spearheaded that comeback before Tyrese Halliburton hit the go-ahead three. So Ben Matherin is, is doing all the things the right way. Bruce Brown said it best. He said it to Pat Boylan last night after the game was over in the locker room, like, you know, Ben was trying to be too much of a passer. He, he, he's not a pass first guy. He's more of a scorer. We need him to get back to doing what he does and let the passing kind of flow naturally. So I think as he's trying to find that mix of when he should be a passer, when he should be a scorer, what he needs to do, like I, I think offensively that's going to figure itself out. But defensively, that's where he showed the most growth last night. And that's where I think if he can lock in as a lockdown defender for this team, in years to come, man, they've got themselves a very special two-way player. On the other end of the spectrum there, Alex, uh, Buddy Heald's kind of gotten off to a slow start this season. I'm a huge Buddy Heald fan. I wanted them to keep him, uh, even with all the trade rumors and all that. Uh, what do you think's going on with his slow start to the season? You know, honestly, the first three games of his homestand, he was shooting lights out. I think he was averaging like 17 points a game. So it was kind of one of those things where I think the last two games he's gone 4 of 23. It feels significant because... He's shooting a lot of them, and they weren't going in. And it's weird because it's like if he's not shooting and hitting threes, you know, how else is he impacting the game? Well, that's his best trait, so it's like you got to probably limit his minutes when he's not hitting. But even if you're just a, a fan watching the game, every time Buddy Hill's open, you feel like it's going in. Or if he gets a shot off, you think it's going to be a made basket. So you still have to ride or die with that a little bit. But, no, it, I, I think it's just, you know, the, the shots have been good. I don't really think I've noticed Buddy Hill being terrible. I just think it's been – not making shots for sometimes he has made shots. So I'm assuming against Philadelphia on Sunday or Tuesday, we're going to see Buddy have a really efficient game, probably go like 7 of 10 or something like that from three and just really impress us all. So that's kind of what I'm feeling with Buddy. I just think a little bit of inconsistency and maybe some of it's because he's coming off the bench, but I, I don't think it's that much. I think Buddy's fine and he'll figure it out. Alex Golden with us here, setting the pace, joins us on the Payless Liquors Hotline on the fan on this Friday. Reminder, we'll give our uh, Colts picks coming up in about 40 minutes. Uh, not that that matters, Alex. Not that we're ever right. So we'll give our picks that will probably uh, be wrong. I, I want to go back because the Buddy Heel discussion is interesting, but I, I want to loop back around to, to Benedict Matherin. Uh, mm-hmm. to, to me, this is a huge deal. I mean, I open the show with if, if this guy takes his game to that next step, if he was a B-level player and he becomes an A or a C-level player and he's a B-plus, A-minus, whatever it may be, that is a huge deal. And it's it's a draft pick that is a hit, right? And it yeah. puts him next to, to Halliburton as a one-two punch of young guys, exciting players. And, and there was a play, I mean, I, I think for me, him... him him getting a you know eleven rebounds, that's twenty 
rebounds in the last two games, Alex. That's a career high last night, so that's number one. And there was a play where I think he stripped Giannis, and he's walking yeah. down the floor, and he's he's pumping the crowd up, and he's fist pumping, and that's not from a dunk or a big three or something from the offensive side. That is from the defensive side, and I would imagine if I'm that coaching staff, if I'm Rick Carlisle today, that makes me as happy as anything through the first nine games. I just, you know, if Matherin can become one of those players here in Indianapolis, that's what they need. This team needs another star. And I'm not even saying he's going to turn into a star this year, but if he can be a starter way above average, I mean, he has pushed Buddy Heald to the bench for the most part. He really has. Yeah, I mean, and you kind of look at it from this perspective too because Indiana's a small market, and the best way for them to acquire talent is going to be through the draft. They're not usually in the top of the lottery where they were when they picked Ben Matherin at six overall. So they have to hit on this pick. I think there's a lot of pressure for them to hit on this pick because it's not somewhere they're usually used to picking at. But at the same time, Benedict Matherin has a special capability to him. He has what I think nobody else on this team has, and that is just like the edge to be great. I'm not against, not saying Tyrese Halliburton doesn't, but between those two, obviously. So, we heard Chad Buchanan talk about it in Summer League. Like, you know, Ben Matherin, there's something special about him. He has a confidence that is like through the roof. But you talk about that celebrating the defensive play. Matherin said after the game that was the thing he worked on the most during the offseason. So I'm sure it just feels like a little bit rewarding to him to see that that defense, that all that work he put into it on that side of the basketball was paying off, and he did it against one of the best players in the league, an MVP candidate type of guy. So – I love seeing that from Matherin. I love seeing the growth we've seen in two games. Sure, it's not a huge sample size, but if he can separate himself you know, and put himself up there next with Tyrese as a one-two punch for this Pacers team, they're going to be in really good hands for years to come. And I remember after they drafted him, I talked with some people, and basically the hope was maybe he can become the Anthony Edwards of the Eastern Conference. So hmm. if he can end up reaching that level, Edwards is a dang good basketball player. If he can reach that level – then, my goodness, him and Halliburton for years to come is going to be a scary duo in the Eastern Conference. Alex Golden with us here on The Fan. Help me here, Alex. What were the re- what were the reports of what the Pacers offered Buddy Heald that he did not take in the offseason? Was it a three-year deal? How much was it for? Do you remember? Um, yeah, so I don't think anything was ever on the record for what it was, so I'm not sure. I, I would assume it was probably a close to a three-year extension. They do have about, what, $7, 8000000 million right now in cap space. They probably could have done a renegotiation and an extension like they did last year with Turner right. when they had some of that extra cap space there to make him you know, go, jump from $19 million to $37 million last year and then kind of spread it out through the next couple of years. So I don't really know what the exact um, number was, but I think that, Somewhere in the 18 to 19 million range, if they offer him something like that, that seems pretty fair. Uh, Buddy might want more than that. Buddy won't, you know, this might be one of his last big contracts. Maybe he's looking in the 20 million dollar range. But regardless, I mean, shooting's at an all time high in the NBA. And if you can get one of the best shooters in the league, you know, at a good price, I, I think it's worth looking at. But at the same time, the Pacers probably want to keep their options open too and don't tie up too much money. Um, and to somebody that's coming off your bench. Well, you got to find those right dynamics of how much you got to spend. Yeah, well, Alex, that's what I was going to say. I, I, again, I know it's nine games, and I do feel like when Buddy Heald shoots that it's going in, but right now his numbers are just kind of – they're not they're not totally Buddy Heald numbers, right? Like, we can admit mm. that. His minutes are obviously down. His points are down. Uh, from last year, his three-point percentage is down. And again, this is nine games uh, – 
he's not going to be a starter if Matherin plays well. I mean, there are going to be games where Heald is going to play th- over 30 minutes and Matherin or somebody else, you know, depending on matchups and injuries and who's hot and who's not. I guess my point is, you know, if Buddy Heald was offered 18, 19 mil a year, that's pretty good because, I mean, Alex, like you just said, he's going to be a bench player here. Right, yeah. he's going, and, and so I just, to me, I, I we might be seeing the end of Buddy Heald when I look out there and I see Matherin playing so well. This is not a team that can put twenty mil a year into a guy averaging twelve minutes or twelve points a game. They just can't do it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's tough because Buddy means so much to this team. I think in terms of his uh, relationship with Tyrese Halliburton, the chemistry that he brings. Um, but you're not paying someone twenty some million dollars just to be a no. good guy in the locker room. So I'm not saying that. But I do think that Buddy does provide a lot because if you look at the way the Pacers play a certain style, he fits that style of play perfectly. So that's the one thing you have going for you. He really respects Rick Carlisle. Rick Carlisle really likes him as well. It's just a lot of a good relationships there. And I don't ever really worry about Buddy because we've seen Buddy actually, I think, evolve a little bit more this year as a passer, which was something that I hadn't really seen in years past. And then defensively, I think Buddy's gotten better. Still, obviously, this is a Pacers team that has to improve collectively as a defensive unit. But he's made strides since he's been here. So, yeah, his role is just going to be lit. I mean, if you look at the numbers, they're going to be down because he's not playing as much. And not playing with Tyrese as much does, I think, impact his overall value. But at the same time, uh, you you know Ben Matherin has a higher ceiling. So you're hoping that. Buddy Hill is a bench player because Ben Matherin then is ascending in the right direction. And then you bring in a guy like Bruce Brown, who just has so many good assets that he brings to this team and, and does a lot of different things that probably Buddy Hill doesn't do. So you just have to find that right balance. And I, and I think I'm trying to be really fair to Buddy because I think Buddy was huge in that Cavs game they won just last Friday. So it's it's one of those things. Buddy Hill can, can be a huge spark off the bench for this team. You just got to find – how much money is he worth, and and what does he really bring value-wise compared to some of the other guys that you have ahead of him? Sunday and Tuesday at Philadelphia, do you like staying in town and kind of getting those, not back-to-back, but a Sunday and Tuesday game? And obviously we know how good Philadelphia is. Joel Embiid uh, right now is a freak show. They're 6-1 on the early season. Maxi has also become a really nice player for them. I followed him in college. What do you make of the upcoming two-game set here with Philadelphia? Yeah, I really like the. I really like how the NBA has done this a little bit more. Like it's almost like a mini series where you play this team twice. You're in the same uh, area, you know, Philadelphia, so they don't have to travel. And Tyrese Halliburton talked about it. You know, they'll play each other Sunday, then they'll really get a good scouting report from one another, and then they have the end season tournament game. So that could be interesting to see how uh, intensified that game is because of the previous matchup. The Pacers just got a nice warm-up with Giannis before they go go face Embiid because Embiid has been someone that has just pummeled Indiana for years, and they've never really had a good answer for him. And Tyrese Maxey is a special player, like you said. They've just got a lot of good guys on this roster. And the, and, and the, and the Sixers, you know, they had that James Harden stuff hanging over their head, but they've been able to weather that storm. And I thought, you know, Nick Nurse has done a good job with this team. Nick Nurse obviously had some real good success in Toronto. Uh, the, the Pacers, you know, took care of Toronto last year pretty well. And Adrian Griffin, who was also part of that Nick Nurse coaching tree, was with the Bucks. He, uh, last night he ended up getting ejected, which I think those two points might have mattered a little bit at the end yeah. of the game. But, uh, but yeah, I think Philadelphia, that's just a, it's a tough matchup. It always has been for the Pacers. I would just love to see them kind of give it to them, you know, see how Tyrese 
Halliburton goes up against Tyrese Maxey? Do they make a little bit of a personal challenge going up against each other because they are kind of in that same boat of like uh, really good guards on, on some of the topper teams in the Eastern Conference? So it should be fun. I think the one player that I always kind of is under the radar but always kills the Pacers too is Tobias Harris. I, I think the Pacers are going to have to see if they can have a matchup for him because it seems like anytime we've played six foot eight, six foot nine forwards in previous years, we haven't really had someone to throw at them, but. Maybe with Obi Toppin on the roster now, that does kind of limit what uh, Tobias can do against some of our smaller defenders. Setting the pace is Alex Golden joining us for a couple more minutes on the Payless Liggers Hotline. Uh, a couple more from me, Alex. Uh, Jairus Walker, uh, what's going on with him? Not getting a ton of playing time uh, just because he's a rookie, or is there something else going on with that? No, it's just because I think part of it is, is they've went there and they solidified that power forward spot by – trading for Obi Toppin, and then they also have Aaron Neesmith off the bench, and those two guys right now are just a little bit more ready than Jairus Walker. I think that it would be interesting for Carlisle to try to find some minutes for Jairus, but this is where the, the tough balance of trying to win now and develop young players can can be hard because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, the Pacers are trying to win games. They're 6-3 and three right now. They're third in the Eastern Conference, and, and Jairus Walker, if you watched him in preseason, you did see there were some flashes there, but pretty raw and then defensively he was not good against boston in those crunch time and the um the blowout win right obviously uh he had some moments where he looked okay but he just defensively was not a good showing for him so i I think that it's just there's there's a special player i think in jarris walker but we're not there yet and so for him just to kind of sit back kind of take this season in a little bit he'll get his he'll get a chance to to play there's going to be an injury there's going to be something that happens where they go to him in the middle of the season where he gets some playing time but I don't think we should really rely on any consistency from him in the rotation. And it's not a knock on him. I just think this roster is deep, and he's just not ready yet to to be playing at this high of a level that they're wanting to play at. And your thoughts on last night's court design? I liked it. I liked it. Yeah, it definitely – it's definitely a little bit tamer than the blue, I won't lie. Um, (laughs) uh, But I do like that they're making it special to match kind of the black jerseys because – Black jerseys with bright blue and yellow on a navy court would not, or you know, a court with navy and gold on it would not really, you know, they would be really conflicting colors. So I like it a lot. I think Rennick Bowman did a great job of creating the jerseys and creating the the court. It looks fantastic, and I think Pacer fans should be excited about it because it's totally different. And it seems like they're kind of embracing more of this newer, exciting edge that we haven't really seen from more of a traditionalist team. Alex, appreciate the time, my man. Have a uh, have a fantastic weekend. The Pacers, obviously, an interesting young team. Uh, we talk about Eastern Conference wins, a couple wins over Cleveland, a win last night over Milwaukee. These are the type of games you need to win, and they have a couple under their belt here uh, in the first couple weeks of the season. Appreciate it, man. Take care. Have a good weekend. Yeah, you guys have a good one, too. Thank you so much. And, yeah, the Pacers are a super fun team to watch, so I'm excited to see where they go from here. Alex Golden with us here on uh, the Payless Liquors Hotline, setting the pace. You want to follow his stuff there. We always appreciate it. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you.